She, in fact, lost her house when this business went to liquidation. The charity itself lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's just over a two-year period. She's mourned him, and that's that. She's done. Hi, I'm Anthony Dowsley. In our last episode, we went through the story of Casanova Paul and a string of heartbroken women he allegedly duped, and how his actions may have cost them their hearts and a lot of cash to boot. Today, we're going to go through some of the other people and organisations he's allegedly swindled. We are talking to crime journalist Anika Simonis. Anika, the big con begins when Casanova Paul allegedly dupes his mother in the early 2000s. Her name is Gianna Cristallo, but she's better known as Jan, and that really is his first victim. The family business is abused, allegedly, to buy fast cars. The business is put under stress for really for Casanova Paul to bolster his image of success. Uh, Take us through a bit of that, would you? So we're told the Cristalos, and as you remember, that's his original family name. The Cristalo family had a business of which Paul was director, and that was called Alpine Concepts. It's a snow gear company, and we're told that company ran into a lot of trouble. And this is in part due to claims that Paul had allegedly used proceeds of the business on non-business expenses. And uh, we're told that some of those are for fast cars. So the company itself became very shaky, we're told. It was in the early 2000s that it, in fact, fell apart. So we can take from that that there's some narcissistic qualities coming through at about that point? Yeah, definitely. I guess he's put himself above his family. This is a family business, so in fact his father... Giovanni, who died earlier this year, was also part of that business. And what Gianna, his mother, didn't know at the time is that her home in Greenvale, which is also in Melbourne's north, was security for that business. So we're at the point where the mother's house is in jeopardy because it's linked to the business. Yes. So she, in fact, lost her house when this business went to liquidation. Right. He's allowing one of the closest people to him, his own mother, to suffer as a result Mm. of his own narcissistic qualities. Yeah. Yeah, she had absolutely no idea. And she says, we've spoken to her, and she said she was left virtually homeless. So this is a woman, she's currently 75, 76 years old. She's renting now. So her golden retirement years are spent in this way, and that's because of the actions of, in part, Paul. And what did Jan have to say about her relationship with her son? Well, we called her and she's basically said she never, ever wants to see him again. She said, I can't believe a son would do this to his mother. And she's said that quite a few years have gone by since this has happened. She's mourned him and that's that. She's done. So basically he's broken off the relationship with his mother and he's not finished more than a decade later, about four years ago. Allegedly, he lures his stepfather into a deal that was too good to be true. This is all while he's wooing women, Catherine and Brooklyn in particular. These are the people really he's supposed to care about as well. But his mother, and well, let's call him his stepfather, they've been allegedly duped by him in yet another way. Mm. This is a man named Jim Quattroselli, and he's partnered with Paul's mum, Gianna. He's also aged in his mid-70s and has some very complicated health problems and, in fact, had a heart attack since this happened to him. And so what we know is that Paul came back from the US, as you say, a number of years ago and offered him what ended up being an offer too good to be true. Jim lived in a property in Faulkner, which is also out in the north of Melbourne. 
Paul offered to buy his property, including the land, and we're told build three townhouses on that property. Okay. One of which would be given to Jim, and Jim being of of a certain age and ability, this yep. home was to be specially fitted for someone with his needs, so yep. no steps and yep. whatnot. So he's using his own property. He thinks he's downsizing. He's going to get money out of the larger property that he's got if he builds two extra townhouses, three townhouses and all, and his will be specially fitted for him. Mm, so yes. what happens? So we've spoken to Jim's daughter-in-law. Her name's Sarah Quattroselli. She said that she and her partner, who is Jim's son, had left the state, and that's when Paul struck. That's when Paul got to talking to Jim about this. So she claims he handed over the title to the home. They value the home between five hundred six hundred thousand dollars and they believe that he was able to borrow the maximum amount from the banks to build this home by laying concrete slabs. Once the money had, I guess, cleared, he'd left the country again. So... Again, these are all allegations made against Paul about how he deals with family, how he deals with loved ones, girlfriends, wives, but there are more claims to come following all of this, and that's that he becomes the CEO of United Housing. Quite a leap for someone who I believe is a tradie by profession. Uh, He's a builder. So he becomes the CEO of United Housing, who are a social housing provider who deal with the homeless, the disabled, and the sick. What did he allegedly do to them in the two-year period that he was there between 2010 and 2012? Yeah, it's quite extraordinary that he actually bluffed his way to CEO of United Housing, which is an affiliate of the Uniting Church. So he was made CEO there in 2010. And during that time, we're told that the the charity itself lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's just over a two-year period. So Uniting Housing deal with hospitals and people who are extremely vulnerable, who need housing, some of it emergency. This is really getting to another level. You know, the allegations here, there's not only duping people in his sphere, but now he's got an organisation that he's got control of, basically. Yeah, it's it's quite extraordinary that he was able to get control of this organisation. And we're told that once they actually found out what was going on, they ordered forensic accountants to come in and look at what was happening. And he was made redundant among other people during that period. And we're told that from one financial year to the next, there was just $16,000 in cash, which is quite extraordinary that, you know, this is such a big social housing provider that it could be left this bad off after having him in that role. Did anything come of that in terms of reports made to any authority? Yes, we know that what had happened was informally reported to police and that he was let go, but no further actions were taken. We spoke to the Uniting Church of Australia, Victoria, Tasmania, acting moderator Dan Wooten, who confirmed that there was a major overhaul conducted after Paul's involvement in these losses was discovered and that he was let go as a result of that. This continues on in a way. He's left that firm, but he then begins in another sort of role as a builder on a construction site. He gets recommended by his girlfriend or or fiance, Catherine, is that right? Mm -hmm. To help someone she knows um, to build some sort of 
house, large house, expensive house. Can you tell us what happens in that construction business? This is a man named David Danks and his wife. They tell us that they'd handed over a $17,000 deposit to Carter, who, as you say, did come recommended. That job was about 2014 and it Mm. stalled significantly. David Danks claims that Carter had drawn up shoddy contracts, that he didn't pay contractors, and at the end of it, they were left with virtually nothing. And the only thing that he could see was spent of his 17k deposit was about three grand on survey fees. Uh, in some ways, he's gone back to the start. He's a tradie again. He's trying to be a contractor that does big jobs. And he gets involved with a development in Spotswood. He's going to build two shops and two apartments, but that falls flat as well. Yeah, this is in 2016. So he comes recommended again to a Melbourne property developer named Harry Ozdemir. So yes, he's contracted to lead the construction of these two shops and um, two apartment buildings. And basically, he allegedly leaves it halfway done and just skips out to America again. And these really aren't small change jobs. These are relatively big developments. Yeah, it's a big commercial development. You've got two shops, two apartments. And we spoke to Harry and he said that what had gone on was that Paul would actually claim for items or work well ahead of schedule. For example, Harry tells us that he'd claim 13k for floor coverings when the windows haven't even been put in. And if you've got a clue about construction, you'd know that's not possible. It's around about this point when this construction job is not even halfway done that he allegedly goes into the blue. You're not, not seeing much of him after that around Melbourne. Yeah, Harry never saw him again. And he claims that as a result of Paul's actions and leaving that job halfway done, he'd lost about $800,000. He took that claim to the Victorian Managed Insurance Authority and was able to recoup about $600,000 of that money, but still left out of pocket quite significantly. And as many trades would know, no one really wants to go in and correct someone else's dodgy work. So Harry says that it cost a lot more money to get things done again and to approve the shoddy work that had already been done. The last episode we heard very serious allegations against Paul, including that authorities here would arrest him at the airport if he were ever to return. Today we heard police aren't the only ones who'd be lined up for a very serious chat with this man. Thank you for listening to this podcast about Casanova Paul, the one man we have not heard from yet. But if you want to hear his side, go to theheraldsun.com.au and read Anika's in-depth investigation. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.